You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jamin. Welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. This is the podcast that it's not just for screenwriters because I, I have a special guest today. This is my friend and once collaborator, Eric Fogel, and he. We were we were debating like how do I how do I introduce him because he does so much. Uh, he's a writer, he's a director, he's an animator, he's now at DreamWorks, and Eric Fogel is now going to tell us his, how, how all this works. He's going to explain to me. Eric Fogel, thank you so much for being on the show. Say hi. Hello. 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 hello, hello. <laughs> You're not an actor, though. That's the one thing, you, that's the one credit you don't get. I do a little voice acting. Do you do? Do you now? I've done some, yeah. I, yeah, I, I actually got my SAG card, yeah. Really? Wait, yeah, a little, little, little. So... So for everyone's listening, so Eric and I worked together years ago on a show called Glenn Martin DDS, which he co-created. And uh, on that show, he was the, the um, he was one of the, he directed with me, directed the animation. Uh, he was in charge of all the designs, all the character designs. And then he had the misfortune of having to fly back and forth from Los Angeles to Toronto, like every week to oversee the animation. Fogel, how did that, how, how did that all come about? How did how did you sell that show? How did it come about that show? Um, man, uh, so yeah, I think I was I was in town. I was you know I was living in New York at the time, and so I I was uh, I I did a trip out here to to L.A. to do like a round of meetings, and I was I was in my uh, I was up in my manager's office, and the the owner of the company Gotham. She just kind of walked by and she goes, oh, yeah, he should meet Scoop. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck is a Scoop? Can I say <laughs> Is that all right? You can say it. We all, we're all thinking of it. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's a Scoop? Scoop. Um, that was my, so that was my introduction. So, yeah, we, we set up a meeting. I met with Scoop in L.A. on that same trip. I think it was my last meeting. And they had a script. Um, Just a, so, Scoop was a was the nickname of one of the executive producers of Michael Eisner's company. Scoop is a human. Yeah. He was, I guess, running development for Michael Eisner's company, which was Tornante. Yeah. Right. And um, they had they had a script. They had like a version of a pilot that was written by Alex Berger. Right. Right. And uh, you know, it was still pretty rough at that time. It needed needed some love and you know there was no there were no designs you know there was nothing there but um a couple weeks later i met i I met with michael eisner in new york and we sat down we started talking about this project and he had seen some stuff on my reel and he saw some some stop motion that i did you know i created celebrity deathmatch so right. i think he was aware of of that but i i did this other show called starveillance uh, with a studio called Cup of Coffee in Toronto. Oh, I didn't realize that was Cuppa. But wait, hold on. Was that was was, was what network was Star Valence on? E. E. So yeah. I want I want to slow this down. Yeah. I want to interrupt you for a second. So uh, Celebrity Deathmatch was like a huge hit. I was on MTV for a couple of seasons, right? Yeah. And it was a stop motion animation, and you were in charge, and you create created that with custom other, and you were in charge of the anime. It was a big. It was like a big deal for like I don't know ten minutes, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we ran for yeah a couple of years and you know close to a hundred episodes. A lot. So all right, but then okay, so back it up and how because you have a very unusual career because you kind of you've carved a career for yourself that doesn't really 
it doesn't even exist really. You know, there are not many people who do what you've done. Like how, how did you start when you were a kid? Did you want to, what did you want to be? Um, I, I knew I wanted to be in the film business in some way. I think, you know, when I was, you know, I was always drawing like little comic books when I was a kid. And these, these comic books were basically storyboards. Right. It, Eric is a really good, talented artist. So that I should mention that. Illustrate. I don't know what you would call yourself. You're good, though. Go on. I'm okay. You're okay. Um, <laughs> but by the time I was like, you know, in, in high school, I, I sort of learned that there was like you could actually go to school to learn how to make films. Yeah. You know, like there was such a thing. And and I became aware of, you know, NYU. And that that sort of became my, you know, the thing that was driving me. Uh I even before that I started taking some film while I was still in high school I took a couple film classes at, at School of Visual Arts just mm -hmm. uh taking college level classes there while you know still still a kid in high school and starting to like figure out how to make make films and you know put stuff together and um then it I got wasn't live it wasn't stop motion it wasn't animation it was just film it was live action I was still I was also experimenting you know I got I got a super 8 camera so I was trying i was trying some stop motion i was doing like hand-drawn animation i was just trying everything i want i was just absorbing everything yeah you know and um yeah and then got accepted to nyu and in the film program film program okay um 19 yeah graduated uh class of 91 91 and you know i was pretty prolific there like they i think they only required you to make to finish like one film and i, I ended up making four finishing four films two were live action and two were animated right and one of the animated films was this really violent uh like a post-apocalyptic thing it was called the mutilator um heard of it. And okay that yeah there's actually <laughs> oh, he's got, oh look you got a cell okay yeah there's Mueller. That's from, and that was from college. Yeah, this was my college. This was my college film, <laughs> Mueller. But the th so this film got uh, got licensed to um uh, uh like a, an animated uh like a film festival. Called... Wait, you took, wait, you submitted it to a film festival. What do you they, mean licensed? They saw it. They saw it in the NYU circuit because okay. it premiered there, and then they reached out to me and they said we want to license Mutilator to be it was a spike and mike uh spike and mike's festival of animation right and, and uh, they, they, so they paid you for it they, they wrote me a check and that was the first time you know I, someone was like paying me to to make a thing and then what happened so <laughs> i said all right that that worked well i want to keep doing that so i yeah. just kept making making like little short films and i i licensed a couple more to to those guys to the spike and mike festival and they would do this thing where they would they would option the film but they would also give you like like a little money to to finish the film which mm -hmm. was which was pretty you know it's not a not a great deal but it was at well, that time it was these were like shorts right yeah yeah just shorts but you know you would send them like you could send them like a pencil test and then they, they'd say like here's a couple grand to finish it and then, and then they would like show it in their, their circuit. So, all right. So then, but you're okay. You're selling some stuff. It's after college. You're not making a fortune. Yeah. You're, but you also have like a day job. I was, um, I was hired. So I started working in an, in a small animation studio in New York uh -huh. at that time. 
uh, and I was learning, you know, just learning stuff. So one of the uh, one of the directors at that studio, uh, he had a little problem with substance substance abuse problem. Uh, I'm not going to mention any any names, but he would he would spend a lot of time just sleeping sleeping it off, and yeah. I and he and I would I would be animating his shots, and that's how I learned a lot of a lot of stop motion. It was it was like a stop motion studio, and I learned a lot. So you so you're right. So this is before computer animation, really. You're just kind of uh you're drawing. You're basically cell by frame by frame. Yeah, yeah, and just using like a big old Mitchell 35 millimeter camera, just frame one frame at a time. And then okay, so you did that for a little bit. Then what happened? So, at so at the same time, I'm still making these little short films. Eventually, what was the point uh, of making these short films, though? They're not they're just live action. To get a reel together, so so you to have like a sample sample of your your stuff, right? So mm -hmm. eventually, this reel ends up on the desk at the president of MTV Animation. How, how did it wind up there? I don't know. <laughs> but this is a good point like because you're just putting your work out there yeah. and it's getting and it's good so it's making the rounds right yeah it's well it's 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 making the rounds i don't know if it's good but pe people are there's but no it, there, but there's if it wasn't no good they wouldn't pass it along i mean that's the truth yeah well right. it, it was something you know at that time mtv was you know animation was brand new and they they were looking you know they were yeah. just looking for weird shit yeah you know and they saw they you know they probably saw this this spike and mike festival and and you know like liquid television was becoming right. a thing right and so they were hungry for stuff and you know just weird stuff right and I, you know i had some weird stuff on my reel yeah you did but yeah and so okay so then what happened That's so that. they so mtv made made me a deal to option this mutilator okay and the plan was to have the the mutilator character appear within the Beavis and Butthead show. Mm -hmm. And and it would be like, it was going to be like this thing that they were going to watch on TV and it was going to be this cool thing that they liked. Right. Kind of fit fit with their their thing. Yeah. And then something something tragic happened. Um there were there were some kids out west somewhere who burned their family's trailer down and they said they they learned how to like about fire from beavis and butthead oh I, I, at least it wasn't a mutilator no no but this created this whole wave like this backlash and all of a sudden mtv got scared and they said oh you know we got we can't we have to be careful and mutilator was like violent yeah. even though it was it was sci-fi it was fantasy violence it wasn't real but yeah. they were they were just they got cold feet so I went to this meeting knowing that they were going to shit can Mutilator. And, and I had already set up like a little studio in my in my house on Long Island. And I was like in production on this thing. So I was I was nervous. Yeah. So I go to this meeting and, and Mike Judge is actually there. Mike Judge, the creator of Beavis and Butthead, he, he's in this meeting. And they're like, Eric, you know, we're not we can't go forward with Mutilator, but we, we like you. Do you have anything else? And I, I had this storyboard, I actually brought it to that meeting. And this, it was for this other thing that I had come up with about this guy with like a giant head and, and an alien that lived inside of this head. And it was like about the symbiotic relationship between yeah. a, guy, a guy and an alien. And, uh, 
And my judge, I just, I'll never forget this. That he was kind of like hanging back and he was looking at my drawings and he was just laughing. Yeah. And the other two MTV execs were like, oh, Mike, Mike likes it. We should buy this. And they did. <laughs> and, they, and what show was that? That was called The Head. Right. And that was, uh, it was part of like, it was called MTV's Oddities. Uh-huh. And that was, I was like 24, 25. And that was the first show that I ran as a creator. But this is the kind of this speaks to which is so important. It's like you were making this stuff because you were making it, and you were. It wasn't like it wasn't like you weren't trying to sell that. You were just making. You have you have to have stuff to have. I had an idea, right? Yeah. And you worked on it. You didn't wait to get paid on it. You worked on yeah. it. Yeah, right. And so and you were you were right. And did you have a small staff on that show? Yeah, know. we had. A, you know, we had a full staff. And that, that was that out of New York. We we did we ran the the show out of yeah out of uh, MTV Animation in Midtown Manhattan. Wow, we set up, you Look know we set up shop there. Uh, I wrote and I wrote and and show ran that show with a I had a, a writing partner at that time, and uh, yeah we wrote all the episodes and it was it was wonderful because it was like it's not like now like it was like they were hands off like creatively they were like yeah great it's great just do do it do what you want. Do what you want. That's so interesting. Wow. And then, and then, at what point was just, is there, what point did you make a leap to LA? Or, or am I missing something in between? Yeah. So I, you know, I stuck it out. So after the head, I did Celebrity Deathmatch. Right. That was in New York. And then, you know, I continued working at small studios in New York. MTV Animation closed like shortly after 9/11. They uh -huh. shuttered. And, you know, business in New York kind of started to dry up after 9-11. There wasn't, there was never even a lot of business in New York, but I didn't even, you know. You, no, you, but there was, yeah, there was, you know, M, it was MTV and then there were some small commercial studios there. And I continued working at some of those smaller studios, uh, you know, and we, all our family was there. So right. we sort of resisting the, the, the big move to, to LA and then. Finally, in 2008, when, when Glenn Martin happened, we made the move. Right. With your whole family. Yes. And then you flew back to Toronto. That was the tragic part. If you had only stayed in New York, <laughs> your flight would have been so yeah. much. I was like, honey, here's here's our house. Kids, there's, there's your rooms. I got to go. You guys yeah. figure it out. You're the sunshine. My, my wife still, she, you know, she, she's still pissed at me. We no. We love each other, but no, it was it was a tough move. We didn't know anybody here in LA. Right. You know, it was a big it was a big big adjustment, and uh, yeah, it was what, a bit of a shock. What does she think of it now? Is she happy you're here or no? I think yeah, we've we've made our peace with it. You know, we still miss our family. Our families yeah, right. are still all back east. Yeah. Um, but we we feel like it was a good thing for our family. You know, for our kids. Oh, you think so? You think they're they're, yeah. they're probably getting ready for college now? Your kids. Oh, they're almost done. They're almost done with college. Well, one is, yeah, one, our oldest is out. He's already graduated, and our we have twin girls, and they're graduating this this year. Oh, God. We'll talk about that one. I don't know wonder what that's going to happen, happen there. Okay, so then, and then, all right, we did Glenn Martin, and the thing about that is, so my partner and I, Seaver, we write these episodes. We come into your office and say, this is this is the crazy, is that the craziest job you ever, no, probably not, because we would give you an assignment. Like, this is the, what does this character look like in your head? Then you'd sketch a design and then we'd maybe give you notes or not. And then you'd run off. Then you'd fly to Toronto and they started animated this thing. And you had to oversee 
Every, anytime there's a problem, we'd yell at you. <laughs> and then you'd have to fix it. And then I'd go yell at them. And you'd yell at them. And there was, yeah, there was always problems. It's always, um, you know, because it's a hot, such a long process. To, it took, you know, nine months to animate that show. That that show, I mean, there will never be another show like that. Right? Why do you I feel mean, that way? It was, I mean, just the concept was super ambitious, right? Yeah. You got... You got a family, you know, traveling from from town to town every episode. Yeah. So every single episode, you have to build a brand new world for this yeah. family to play in. Yeah. Right. That's a huge that amount a to build, and you have to build it all from scratch. There and there was a lot. Of, we also did a lot of CGI on. We not a lot. Some. You know. Not, not a lot. The mouse. The mouse, and also sometimes the backgrounds. Right. We would do. Um, we would do up some green. green we do green screen, but but a lot of those. I mean, most of those sets were were yeah, physical, practical. physical models. I have all. The, I still have my dolls. Just so you know, they're all here. Oh wait, wait I got. You one. have more. I remember when you had you had your dolls. I was like, how do I get a hand? How do I get my hand on someone Fogel's dolls? <laughs> there. How do I steal your doll? Which one's that? What's? Oh wait, but is that? Was that from Glenn? What was what That's was that? Honk, honks the clown, the killer clown. That's what was he? What episode was that? I don't know. Uh, Funshine, Fun, Fun, Funville. Honks the killer clown. There's so much about that show I don't even remember. Remember who did the voice? Who? Ty Burrell. That was Ty. Did we? Can you imagine? We directed some amazing, amazing. Remember we did? We directed Brian Cranston. Yep. He was coming off break. He was doing Breaking Bad. Still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And he loved it. He's like, this is great. <laughs> he was amazing. We almost we almost had a spinoff with yes. him. The yes. Spy. That's him over here. Yeah, Drake, that's, Drake that's Stone. One. That was a bummer. That didn't happen. Yep. Yep. Oh, well. But the cat, yeah. I, I mean, we should talk about some of the other day players on that show because, I mean. Yeah. We, I mean, it was amazing. The cat, we, every, every Mel, day. Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, right? Billy Idol, Billy Idol. I don't remember Billy Idol. He did a he did the Christmas episode and he sang a song. He sang. Oh a right, song. maybe it wasn't there that. I remember we had uh, Fran Drescher. Remember yeah. were you there that day? Yep. And we couldn't get her. Remember, so, so Eric and I were direct together. <laughs> We'd whisper at each other, and it's not quite right. How did we get her to do? You know, and then I remember we finally walked up to her because she wasn't the character wasn't quite right. And I was like, listen, can you do the nanny? She's like, oh sure. And then, and then she started basically doing the nanny. You want oh, you, the nanny? You want the nanny. You, you kind of want you, it. You don't want to ask. You want to. You don't really want to ask. You want to get them there. Yeah. You don't. I don't want to insult her, but she was a delight, friend. She was so sweet. Um, Allison Jenny. She was Jason great. Alexander. Yep. George, George Takei. Takei. Um, God, Fergie. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, so MC many. Hammer. We remember we had MC Hammer. Pen Gillette. Pen Gillette. I forgot. Jeez. What is? Oh, my God. I mean, I it was Gene Simmons. <laughs> Gene Simmons. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that was a day. Uh, and then, okay, so then once once Glenn Martin went down, yeah, what happened to you then? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. What happened? So, you know, it was, that was a sort of a tricky time because I, I, I had to kind of reinvent myself. You did um, right. I was here in town. We did that show. 
that show was you know it was an amazing experience but nobody fucking saw it right right and no one and, understood what you did on it either because you created you 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 kind of invented it you were a necessary incredibly important cog but who how do you describe you know how do you describe it to people i because i'm even asking well you were you were one of the executive producers but I'm almost like, well, what was your actual job? I mean, what, that was your job title, but it'd be it'd be hard for me to describe what you did because you did so much. Yeah, I mean, I guess on that show, I was I was more of a directing showrunner. Is that what you would call it? If you, yeah, because you know, I feel like there are some categories, right? With show, like showrunners, so there are right. writing showrunners, which I right. consider like you and Siebert were like the writing showrunners. And I was on that show more of a, the directing. Maybe actually, in King of the Hill, I think they would call it a supervising director. Is that what you were? Maybe. I mean, I don't supervise all the directors basically. Different, yeah. I guess there's there are different credits. Yeah, I yeah. It was hard. It was a hard. There was so much for you to oversee. It was crazy. Yeah, um, and it's. I mean, and and I love that. Like that's for me. That's what I do. It's soup to nuts just mm -hmm. every every piece of the production i just i, I like to have a hand right. in all of it hey it's michael jammin if you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free join my watch list every friday i send out my top three videos these are for writers actors creative types you can unsubscribe whenever you want i'm not going to spam you and it's absolutely free just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list So how did you reinvent yourself? Like, what does that mean, really? So I was here in town, and after Glenn Martin, you know, there were we had a, there were a couple things, but a couple things fell through. We were gonna do there was another show mm -hmm. that I I was developing with Tornante, and it was uh, <clears throat> this was weird, but we this we we developed this show alongside BoJack, so. Right. It, like Scoop was working on on Bojack, and then we had this other project, and we we actually sold this other project to a network. We had like like an an agree like an accepted offer, and it looked like it was going forward until the head of the studio just decided hey, he didn't want to do animation. Yeah, that so that that got killed, and so I had to find some some work. I ended up directing a show at Nickelodeon. And it was a CG show. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, it was, it was more of a kid's show. Right. And it was, you know, I wanted to have the experience of, of directing CG. Okay. So I did that for a few years and it's, you know, that, and then it, you, you sort of, there, you, there are stepping stones. So. I imagine it's a big learning curve though. There's, there is a learning curve for sure. And it was important to me to, to have, because you didn't learn, you didn't study that in college. What did you know about it? There yeah, they didn't have they didn't have computer animation then. Right. So you just have to. The best way to to learn is to just be immersed in it. Right. Just on the job training. Um. So I I did I got that experience and that that experience led me to to DreamWorks. Right. And how you've been at DreamWorks for six years. And what do you do? What are you doing at DreamWorks basically? Do you, are you like a, do you have a studio deal with DreamWorks? Is that what it is? Um deal or something they i'm under contract so right now it's kind of show to show all right and, so you have a contract and they they put you on whatever show they have going 
Yeah, but they also were nice enough to keep me around. So they sort of put me on an overall deal because uh, there was like a gap between shows. So that, that yeah. was very, very nice of them. Yeah. Keep me. They don't uh, want to lose you. I guess they like me enough to keep me. It's so interesting because I just had um, one of my previous guys. I, mean, I don't know if you know him. You probably don't. But uh, John Abel and Glenn, Glenn Bird, they do all the, Kung, they're the writers, the Kung Fu Panda writers. They do a lot of DreamWorks stuff. Yeah. But you do. Do you work with them? I haven't, but I'm familiar with them. So what exactly are you doing at DreamWorks then? As for jumping from show to show. Yeah, so they hired me initially. This is uh, now almost six years to the day. I started doing a show called Archibald's Next Big Thing, which mm -hmm. was created by Mr. Tony Hale. Oh, he created it. I know he's in it. I didn't know he created it. Created and voiced and uh, was, an, was an exec producer. And and um, it's what network is that? Nickelodeon. That was uh, so we started on Netflix. Okay. So we produced here at DreamWorks. We premiered on Netflix season one, and then season two we were on Peacock. And is that is there, is there a season three in the works or what? No. No. So the thing to know about animation these days is they don't order a, a lot of episodes. It's you know the it's they've. Especially on these streaming platforms. Oh, oh, well, that's the way it is for a live action. So yeah. what are you doing for season, like 13 or something? We did two. So for Archibald, we did two seasons and it was uh, it was like 50. It ended up being like 50 half hours or 50, Actually, 100, 100 episodes. They're 11 minute episodes. So we did okay. 100 11 minute episodes. That's actually, and are you, what are you, are you running the show? Are you running it? Are you, so I, so that on that show, I was, I was exec producing. I was a writer and I was, I was basically doing a little of everything. Same, same thing, directing, writing, overseeing every aspect. But it's not it. like every writer, there's a writing staff on that show, right? We, we had, we had uh, a, a staff and we had a couple head writers who, okay. and they, those guys were great. I love those guys. They had never run run a show before, uh -huh. so I felt like I could be helpful there. You know, just in the writers' room, and, and just it just sort of organically evolved to right. where, you know, I didn't expect to be so involved in in the writing process on that show. It just it just turned out like it just was a natural. See, that's the whole thing. You have a very unusual career path and career because because you do so many things. Yeah. I mean, I don't, there's no rules for this. I'm just making this up. Yeah, there's no rule. So, I mean, it's quite impressive because, like, if I, I don't know, what, what would, what, do you, how would you advise? You must have kids coming to you. Hey, how do I, how do I get to do what you do? Like, what do you tell them? Um, I mean, you gotta have, you know, there's there are a couple of key ingredients, right? You you gotta have the passion, right, for it for the craft. You have to have the ability. Mm -hmm. You have to have the skills. Um, but you I, didn't have the ability when you started, right? I had some ability. You had some ability. And, and I kind of, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is you have to immerse yourself and you have to just make things and you have to learn as you make things. You can't, you know, you can watch YouTube videos all day long, but you got to like just get in it. And now it's one, you know, we have the technology has changed so much. It's made it so much easier mm -hmm. to make things now. With those like um, those animation program. I mean, do you do anything like that on the side for yourself? Like what, or, or, I mean, you know, at home for any, I don't have time for that. No, 
I, I, these days, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, this this job keeps keeps me. Real. But let's say you had a side project that you just wanted to get off the ground. Yeah. You just pitched yeah. the idea. I could, yeah, I mean, I have put things together and I've made, yeah, I've been able to make little animations, uh, you know, for projects, original projects that I've pitched. And right. I'll put together a whole presentation. I'll do all the visuals. I'll edit it and, and put together, yeah, like little proof of concepts. Right. That, yeah, that stuff is, yeah, I love doing that. And that's on your own, but that's on your own time. That is on my own time. Your own, with, with some program you have. Yep. What's the yeah. what kind of program? Is this, what what is it? I mean, I, you can, you can animate with Photoshop now. Oh, so that's, okay. you know, that's, that's a thing. Um, I, I use Sony Movie Maker, which is this archaic system. I, I just, I'm really comfortable with it. And I can use that to, to build projects and I can even animate on that thing. Are you doing any stop motion anymore? I haven't done stop motion in a long time. Because why? No, no market <laughs> uh, for it? You know, it's, it's just the the right project hasn't really surfaced and you know i've 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 pitched project stop motion is a hard one to sell people are afraid of it is it the look that's the that's the criticism i get they go that I, here's the thing every so i've been i post a lot on social media and the people say oh i used to watch glenn martin and the, the phrase that comes back is that show is a fever dream i was like what's a fever dream but everyone describes it as a fever dream <laughs> And uh, that mean? Like creepy? I think it means like, like you were, they were like, it felt like they were in an opium den. den. <laughs> this yeah, was like <laughs> what it felt like for me. Was that? That's what it felt like for felt me. Like to you. I mean, but it's like, um, I, I don't know. There's something about, like, I always liked that format because I always liked this old um, bank and rest. Net, but, you know. Rank, bank, Rankin and Bass. Rankin and Bass. Yeah. I always thought there was. Yeah. A, I mean, some people look, don't. I, I love, I've always loved the, the look of stop motion and, you know, it's, there's something super charming and it, yeah. uh, just like endearing about the, like the handcrafted aspect right. of it. Right. It's so cool. But and some people I, don't feel that way, I guess. It's, it's always been the kind of like the redheaded stepchild of animation though, you know, yeah. always on, always on the, on the fringes. And now, you know, it's hard enough to sell a show, any show, right? Uh-huh. But it's in animate in the in the animation industry. It feels like they're they're only looking for for CG animation these days, and it's just is that right? I mean, what, what, explain the different types of animation because obviously there's there's like yeah CG like Shrek or something, mm -hmm. and then go on. There's actually different levels in terms of you know expense. What how does that work? I mean, there you know there so there there's like traditional hand drawn animation. Right. Um, but even that is all done mostly in computer these days. So there's no more like hand painted cells. Right. But the actual movement, a lot of that stuff can still be done done by hand. Uh -huh. um, and then, you know, you got stop motion, you got CG, and there there are worlds in between where, you know, stylistically, they, they're they doing a lot of things, you know, design-wise, they're kind of blending the, all the techniques. But it must be in terms of like, when they tell you what the budget of the show is, that greatly determines how good it's going to look in the, how the, you know, the animation, right? It can, you know, so right now I'm working on Megaminds, the, mm -hmm. the sequel <clears throat> to the, to the 2010 film Megamind. Right. And uh, that's going to air later this year. And I can't say a lot about it because they haven't announced a lot about it. Right. But um, the quality, 
the quality of the animation, the technology has improved so much mm -hmm. that even even on a a smaller tier budget, you can still the quality of the animations really uh, it's really improved. Right. So so when you sell a show or when they bring you on a show, just, are you asking these questions or it's like ah eh, someone else will you know in terms of like how much money do we get to spend on the well they. Yeah, they tell me, and then I have to figure out how to make the show. Right, they tell you. Right, and so where will you cut corners or something? Yeah, so so that's where it gets challenging, and and you have to become very you know creative and in, in in problem solving to to be able to deliver right. the show the show you want and the show that they want with within these you know what what can sometimes be a very small sandbox. Yeah, you know. It, and then, so what? So what are you? You know, what are your ambitions or future ambitions, or you know, what what is, excites you coming up, or what? Um, you know, I, I would I'd love to expand the sandbox and be able to uh, make a make a leap into directing a feature would be really exciting. Really? Yeah, at, at DreamWorks or, or any place really. Yeah, I mean, I love it here, so I I would for sure love to direct a feature here. Right. Um, but that that would you know that would be a, a dream to to be able to do that someday and and to be able to you know spend three years you know focusing on on like ninety minutes of content as opposed to you know hundreds of minutes of of content to be able to like micro focus on it's that. so interesting because for me it's kind of the other way around like I, I you know I have to I don't know because um, you get to Every every week you get all right. Here's something new. I have to live with something. But you're saying you because you really want to make the qual. You really want to spend time to make sure every frame is right. I would love. Yeah, that would be that would be a dream because in TV animation, you know, it's it's like there's always this this schedule. You're a slave to the schedule. Right. And you you know. And are so you like, are you in the Glendale campus of Dreamer? Is that where you are? Yeah. Are you there right now? Yeah. Oh, this is this is really your. This is my office. This is your real office over at DreamWorks, people. Okay, so you're okay. I don't even know if they, with COVID, if you're working from home or not. I still, yeah, I'm here a couple of days a week uh -huh. these days. And and because it's your show, so you, well, are you working with writers? You know, how, are you how, how involved are you right now with the? Is there a writer's room or what? We're so the writing is is wrapped on this show, but we were really fortunate because we got. The two guys, uh, Brent Simons and Alan Schoolcraft, who wrote the original Megamind, mm -hmm. were brought were brought in as as EPs to to basically help showrun and and run the writers room. So right. having those guys was was a gift, you know, because they they kind of they invented Megamind. So and this is all on the DreamWorks campus, the writers. Yeah. Room. yeah, we did the writing here. A lot of the a lot of the the create a lot of the art on this show is done not in toronto it's a lot of it's done in vancouver oh are you <laughs> so, are you make, are you making the trip up there do, do you have I've been up there i've been up there a couple of times but we, we luckily are, we, yeah now that we've got you know zoom it's you know i can do a lot of this right here a lot of the work can, i can do right here see this is so wait so do they are these subcontracting subcontracting out a lot of the animation at dreamworks i, I kind of i was under the impression they did it all themselves they have always had partner studios, even like on the early features, they they were partnering with 
with studios. So there has always been this sort of hybrid model. On this particular show, almost all of the 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 art the art side of it is is outsourced on on this show. Um, Interesting. And then, it's, so they're actually okay. So the animation houses are there. I mean, basically, if you're an so if you're an animator, it's interesting. There's different levels of animation animators. This is all, and I work. I've worked in animation for many years. I still don't understand how it works. But uh, but like I remember, like when we worked, um, I worked at uh, it wasn't Bento Box. It was whoever was doing King of the Hill before Bento. But uh, uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I was for, I'm forgetting I'm blanking now, but they, the animators would have to come take tests. You'd apply for a job of animator. Yeah. They'd give you a test, draw this frame or whatever. You know, is that how it still works there? Maybe it's different. Um, computer. Yeah, I mean, there's always you know, it's like anything else, right? You have to audition, right, for things. And yeah, there are there are definitely there's a big kind of leap in terms of skill levels uh, right. of artists, right? Because so much of art is like subjective. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting. Uh, that's this career of your. But and what about I don't know live action? Any interest getting back into doing more or no? I would love to do some some live action at some point. I, I've got like a horror movie that I would love to try to do one day. And uh, you know I, I'm I'm such a huge like horror sci fi nut. Right. Are you and are you pitching other shows as well, or or you know, is how does it work at DreamWorks? Like they, we have an idea, we have a show. You're hired, Fogel. I mean, is that what it is basically? They have, yeah. I mean, they have a, an in-house development process, and uh, when you're when you're here, they, right. you know, there's like a you have there's a first look deal. So you you if you have an idea, you're sort of obligated to get here first, right? Um, and you know that. So the industry is a little different right now because there's they're not you know there aren't there aren't a lot of shows being sold or bought right now because it's no kidding is that and is that the way it is for, I didn't know if that's the way it is for animation as well it is uh, so you know I'm very very happy to be working on Megamind right now yeah right this will keep me employed you know for the next year or so but. It's like, you know, it's like anything else. We we work job to job and there's never any guarantee nope. that you're going to get hired again. You just, you know, it's all kind of on good faith. Are you working with the actors too, directing actors as well? I'm directing all the voice actors on the show. You're the only director? Yeah. And and then you're also supervising the animation, the... the... All of it, yeah. All of that. Yeah. Good for you, man. You've carved out quite a little career for yourself. It's fun. Yeah, fun keeps me busy, but I, I do love it. I do. Do you, have, do you have any other advice for anybody to you know, what's you know, trying to break in? I mean, make more. You know, it's you have to. It's a long time ago. Someone told me like the recipe for for a successful whatever show, movie, whatever. You know, you find that that thing that that you love. You put you put your all your heart into that thing. And then, you know, you take what everyone else loves and, and it's kind of like where these two things come together. That That's kind of like your sweet spot, right? That's right. that's your hit. That's your success. And so you got to, you know, you got to like focus in on what that thing is and, and put everything you have into it. I'm surprised you're not talking about bringing celebrity death match back. That's got to be next. 
there have been a few conversations over the years um and there there have been a couple of attempts to bring it back and um we we did yeah i mean it's it's not dead but I, did they reach out to you or are you actively trying to sell that um i have so uh i guess it's viacom or yeah mtv they they own the rights to the show but um we we have an agreement to you know if if they want to bring it back i'm i'm attached to it right and we've had we've had some attempts uh and for whatever well we we did we did get close um and then yes uh the studio that had made an offer they went away um it went away as, as these things do I'll, I'll tell you offline more about right. it it was like when we put the animation the, the anime the animation studio that made glenn martin we put him out of business <laughs> they they didn't stay in business long after that and it's yeah funny because they i i don't know if they at the time i i'm not sure if they realized how what what a unique opportunity that show was for them what do you mean by that that you know i again like these shows these stop like there how many stop motion series have there been right <laughs> right you know they're few and far between right that was the yeah that's another thing there's only they're one of the few people that actually could do it uh and i don't, I don't even know what they were doing before it's right so when they went out of business like there was like what else are you going to do you know they wanted, mean, like people aren't lining up yeah for stop, for stop motion shows right there's only a handful yeah that's so yeah anyway is there any way is, is there do you want to promote anything do you want people to follow you anywhere is there anything we can do to help you to help grow your brand the eric bogle violent <laughs> you can find me i'm on uh you can find me on twitter deathmatch guy i think is my my uh oh really twitter handle i'm verified there what oh but not on instagram just twitter uh, I do a little Instagram. I'm not a huge yeah, you know, social media person. Yeah, we'll we'll get you there for, for some weird reason. Yeah, because because we're the same age. Anyway, all right, dude. I want to thank you so much. Uh, I, you've exposed me. I've learned something. Learned something about you and your craft. Yeah, because I really, I even remember when we got hired. They said, "Yeah, we got this guy on on Glenmore. We have this guy Eric Fogel." I was like, "What does he do?" No one can explain it because you do everything. <laughs> He's the guy. He's the glue, basically. That's what he's he He's the glue. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm the glue. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for joining me. E excellent. Uh, that's it, everyone. Um, more good stuff next week. Go check out what Eric Fogel's up to, and uh, he's a great guy. Thank you again so much for doing this, man. Thanks, Don't man. go anywhere. All right, everyone. Until next week. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.